It was the final act of an eight-day ceremonial week in Jerusalem. You can imagine the crowds. You can imagine the packed courtyard of the temple on that day. Well, somehow our Lord Jesus found a vantage point and began to preach. And in the midst of that throng and of people who had come through all of these ceremonies and had viewed this pouring of the vial of water and wine on the sacrifice, hear these words of the Lord Jesus. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher. Today we have, well, uh, the message is on Jesus, who is the water of life. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. But our special text is 1 Corinthians 1.18. And I want to read that now. We'll come to it at the end of the program. But I think it will be a, a good starter just to get our hearts right toward the cross. Verse 18, 1 Corinthians 1. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Well, I trust that God in grace has opened our eyes and made us to see the wisdom of the cross. That's the miracle of redemption. Regeneration opens the hearts of our understanding, takes away that veil from our eyes, and enables us to see the cross not as a thing of shame, but a thing of eternal gain. And so I pray that God will work in your heart today as we come to these themes. Firstly, we come to Jesus who stood that day in Jerusalem and said, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. This is akin to the I am's of Christ. He was unique. No one else could say, I am the way to heaven. I am the truth. I am the light of the world. I'm the bread of life. And no one could say, if any man thirst, let him come to me. Prophets and preachers point to Jesus. Jesus pointed to himself. Stay tuned now as we let the Bible speak. John 7, and I want to come to these great words of the Lord Jesus in verse 37. John's Gospel, chapter 7, and the verse 37. In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me, and drink. The Lord led me to this text because I feel the need to preach on the sufficiency of Christ to satisfy the believer's heart. I heard this week of a man who attended 
an AA pro program due to his uh, uh, habit of alcoholism. And the AA program really helped. He was able to kick the habit. He was able to come off the alcohol and uh, to go about his work. But what he also discovered was that he was still empty. He could be done with something that was evil, but there was nothing to fill and satisfy his heart. The gospel is not just about clearing away the sins of the past. The gospel is about a life of true satisfaction, true joy, true blessedness in knowing, loving, serving, praying, communing, and living for the Lord Jesus. It was J.C. Ryle who said that this text of Scripture should be written in letters of gold. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And I want to deal with this text textually. That means we're just going to take it word by word. We're not going to go to some great theme, but simply take the statement of the Lord Jesus and look at it word by word. The first thing that I notice here is that this thirst, if any man thirst, that this is a reference to empty religion. It speaks here of being the great day of the feast. That would mean the eighth day. This Feast of Tabernacles, which was to remember life in the wilderness and how God provided for his people miraculously, feeding them by manna and quail and then the water out of the rock. And on the eighth day, this final day of this feast in Jerusalem, there was a special ceremony. It seems to have been man-made, but it was the performance on that day that they took a golden vial, just a huge peel, and they filled it with water. They would carry it with great ceremony out through the gates of the temple and into the courtyard. The trumpets would sound all attention would be to the, those carrying this vial of water. And in the public view of the people, wine would be mixed into the water, and then it was poured onto the altar of sacrifice. It was the final act of an eight-day ceremonial week in Jerusalem. You can imagine the crowds you can imagine the, the packed uh, courtyard of the temple on that day. Well, somehow our Lord Jesus found a vantage point and began to preach. And in the midst of that throng and of people who had come through all of these ceremonies and had viewed this uh, pouring of the vial of water and wine on the sacrifice— Hear these words of the Lord Jesus. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Now, this no doubt would have been a very unusual statement. It tells us that Jesus stood 
and cried, that he found a spot to preach this short sermon with a loud preaching voice. He wanted everyone in that courtyard to hear this invitation, if any man thirst, come on to me and drink. Perhaps as the Lord stood there, he observed the emptiness that was on the faces of the people. They had come through a long week. These things had their own buzz. They had their own atmosphere that was created by the crowds and the ceremony and the chanting and the trumpets that sounded and the things that were performed. But now they were all over. And the people must disperse soon and return home. But were they any more spiritual? Were their hearts ministered to and their needs uh, provided for? Well, the Lord gave them this great invitation. If any man thirst, even though with your religious practices, there is still a thirst within your soul. Now, that thirst has to come from the conscience that God has given every human being. There is in us a witness, a witness whether we be right with God or whether we be condemned by God, whether it is well with our soul or whether we are under God's wrath and indignation. The conscience is a tremendous inner witness. And you know that you've gone to services, I'm sure, and it's been empty, did nothing for you. You probably left feeling more guilty than when you went. I have heard comments of people saying, I go to church and I get nothing but beaten up. That's the last ministry I want to conduct, that people just feel going home that they're all beaten up and feel guilty and filled with shame and with emptiness. And nevertheless, we have to realize that we're all subject to Adam's sin, the sin nature within us, the guilt that we've inherited. Then there is the condemnation of our own personal sin. There are those particular sins, and they are like chains that are wrapped around us and hold us in bondage, and they separate us from God. And that consciousness, that sense of guilt, creates a thirst. And when our hearts are stirred by the Spirit to recognize and realize our emptiness, the vanity of our own lives, then we cry out for help and for satisfaction with God. Now, those who do thirst are the broken in heart. They are the bruised. They are those who are quite aware of their failures and their sins, and they know the weight of it. And just like thirst, it can be very tormenting. How long can you go without liquid? How long can you go before your mouth is so dry that you can't even speak? And you can't even think because of the torment of the thirst that you're enduring. How often, uh, whether we're walking or running or whatever, and uh, we've forgotten the water, and 
We run in gasping, just gasping. We can't even think of another thing until we get that thirst slaked. Well, the Lord Jesus was dealing with people who needed the satisfaction of life, spiritual life, gospel life. And what a wonderful invitation he gives. But he, he, he kneels of the thirst. If any man thirst. Now, the answer to thirst, as the Lord Jesus stood and gave this invitation, is to come to Christ for drink. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Now, this is a phenomenal statement. Only Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh, only one who had all life in himself, could say to a multitude of people, come to me and I will give you of this spiritual drink. And I'm sure in that crowd, as they heard this invitation from this man called Jesus, they would be asking, who is this man? What inner powers of life and spiritual forces does he possess that he can invite us to come to him personally? He's not inviting us to a religion or an institution. He's not asking us to join an organization. He's asking us to go to him one-to-one -one personally to have this emptiness, this torment of soul addressed. Well, this is the amazing power and the amazing life of our Lord Jesus. He was sent into the world to give life, eternal life. And he's not come to condemn, but to give life, eternal life. And this is our hope as Christians today, that we have recognized our emptiness, our torment of sin, but there is one who is the answer, and we come to him. Now, I want to enlarge on this a little bit, because I think there's a sense in which we can mock the idea, one man, great multitude, and there is a sufficiency in one man to provide the spiritual needs of all these people. And then we step out of that arena of the tabernacle or the temple, and we go into all the world to preach the gospel. And here we are, thousands of miles from Jerusalem, thousands of years later, and we're still preaching from God's Word the same invitation to the souls of men. If any man thirst, let him come unto me. No, not me, but to my Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he will give you drink. Well, what the Lord offers is substantial. It's drink. That is real drink, not some theory of inner consciousness, not some psychology trip. This was the Feast of Tabernacles. And its history, as I alluded to earlier, was the miracle that God provided for a nation of people for 40 years, manna, quail, and water out of the rock. And surely that's the direct allusion and reference here. And in a wilderness where, if you look at the map, there is no riverbed for 150 miles, Yet God took his people into a, a deathly desert and sustained them with running water, water out of the rock. That was miraculous. 
You might say, how could it be done? Well, humanly speaking, it's impossible, but God did it. It is a history of Israel that is well documented and is a great testimony to the supply of God to his people. Now, the wonder is that in the New Testament, it tells us that rock is Christ. You can go to 1 Corinthians 10 and read that. That in the wilderness, they tempted the people. And you remember how Moses smote the rock? And it says, that rock was Christ. And so it was a picture of the supply, the drink that was provided for all the necessities of a million people and more in a wilderness, and that rock was Christ. And here is now the Lord Jesus himself standing. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Because just as God could provide the need of a nation out of rock, Jesus, who is our rock, who is our great supply for every spiritual need that is in your life. Now, this is substantial, I say, because just as all the life needs of the people in the wilderness was provided by that water out of the rock, otherwise they would have perished. They could have done nothing. Let me assure you today that without simple faith and receiving this invitation to believe and trust in the Lord Jesus, all your ceremonies, all your religious duties and activities will be empty even this communion table. If you are not receiving the invitation, heeding the invitation, and living by faith in the supply that is in the Lord Jesus, you can do nothing. And so it is a direct one-to-one personal faith relationship with the Lord Jesus, the Son of God. Do you have that? That's the imperative. Christianity is not merely a religion. It is a person. Christ Jesus. Is he your personal Savior? That's the imperative. That's vital to have spiritual life. Now, as I say, we pick these verses apart. We go on to notice how the Lord Jesus said this is substantial because he said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now, that could be translated heart, out of his heart, out of his inner being will flow this living water. Now, this gospel (coughs) is God's remedy to our separation from God. And if I use the plumbing analogy, when you become a Christian, you get plumbed into God. All the grace of God, all the love of God, All the the wonder of God flows into your life. You have an infinite resource. Out of your inner being will flow rivers of living water. This is very dramatic language to display the grace that flows from the fullness of God into your life, and then there's an overflow that changes your life and makes you a blessing to many others. Now, until you are linked up with God, reconciled to him, and that's what Christ does. Jesus is the mediator. He's the bridge between a holy God and our soul. 
He's the one who makes us to be at one with God. And that's the miracle. When you're linked up with God, you have every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, and they flow into your life. You see, the gospel is not just about washing away your sins of the past. It is that. It must be that. And that's wonderful and powerful. It's the beginning of our life in God. But it is much more. It is a new life. It is a life of fullness. It's a life of supply. It's a life of joy. It's a life of the fruit of the Spirit. It's a life of the, the love of God dwelling, flowing within our hearts. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. That's, that's the syllogism of the gospel. You need peace. You need to be right with God. Then be justified by faith, and you have. The result will be you have peace with God. Thank you for staying with us here on Let the Bible Speak, and we come to our text on the cross. 1 Corinthians 1.18, where the Apostle Paul said, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. The first thing that stands out in this gospel text is that the cross of Christ is to be preached. This message of a suffering Savior for sinners dying on a wooden Roman gibbet is to be heralded out around all the world for men to hear. That is the church's work in every age. We are to tell the old, old story that is ever new. We are to give no rest till all the world is fully versed in the facts of Calvary. And they are facts. In A.D. 33, a real man called Jesus died outside of the city of Jerusalem. Such was the publicity then and ever since 
that the facts are irreducible, and facts are stubborn things which will not go away. Through your whole life and on the judgment day, you will face the same unchanging facts that God sent his Son to save your soul. You cannot run or hide from the absolute reality of the cross of Christ. However, the tragedy in this text is in those that those facts are denied. To many, the cross is foolishness. It's to be mocked. To them, it makes no sense, nor is it a thing that could possibly bring forth eternal life. That does not change the facts, though. Rather, the problem rests with man's unbelief. Unbelievers only see shame in the cross. They know of its curse, but they cannot see the remedy to the curse in the blood of Jesus, who died as the Lamb of God to shed his blood for us on the cross. Unbelievers see the suffering in the cross, and they resist it, for they recoil from its pain as well as its shame. They see its horror under Roman execution, but they cannot see its honor among even the angels of God who looked on gazing at the sight of God's love for sinners played out. To the eye of man, and the eye of unbelief, that is, there is a veil hiding the glory in the midst of the shame. The height, the heart of unbelief runs from the scandal of the cross as a man flees from arrest. The believer, on the other hand, takes hold of that cross and kisses it. Faith makes it a blessed instrument of mercy to his sinful soul. Faith enables him to glory in the cross and turn away from vain hopes of man's making. And so the outcome is that unbelievers perish in their hostility to the very way God would save men. And those who have faith are saved through the cross. The blood is applied to their hearts. They enter into the peace that was bought for them, and the cross becomes a delight to their souls. The world will call us foolish, but it is always a good thing to be a fool for Christ's sake. Then the power flows in. There is no embarrassment. There is no loss of pride, for our only confidence rests in what God has planned for our souls through the death of Jesus on that cross. O hearer, rejoice with me today in the work of the cross and in the man Christ Jesus who died for our sins. Do not disbelieve, do not fight it, but cleave to the cross and be saved today. Run to the cross and you will be a Christian saved by grace through faith alone in a suffering Savior. Stay tuned now as we come to our closing announcements. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to 
www.ltbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast, and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music